This is Subjectively Correct Sports with David Henderson and just David. Flying solo again. And on today's show, we talk a little baseball, a return of one of our favorite segments here on the show. One of our OG listeners goes on a crazy prediction run in week three. But first, Tolkien. He created a language, man. Several languages. That dude's crazy. My wife uh, wanted to put in a movie to fall asleep to the other night. She chose Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, because obviously it's an obvious choice. I mean, epic battle scenes, crazy intense music, shouting and fighting and monsters and lightning strikes. I mean, it's just the perfect thing to fall asleep to. Well, needless to say, she got excited and couldn't fall asleep. And one of the best things was she started asking me questions about Lord of the Rings. Awesome. A lot of fun to get into that stuff. But she brings up a good point. What's with the necklace that Arwen gives Aragorn? What does it even mean? I mean, why is it such a big deal? Aragorn's like, you can't give this to me. And Arwen's like, it's mine to give to whom I will, or whatever she says. Why is that such a big deal? Like, finish up the story there. Like, if the necklace is such a big deal, and if you're going to set it up as such a big deal, get to that, right? Why is it such a big deal, people? Come on. But anyway, Lord of the Rings is awesome. I'm excited to come out with a new series about it. Uh, yeah, I just really like it. It's one of those uh, childhood things that, that I'm always going to appreciate. So most boys, uh, uh, when they were young, uh, around my age, they were, you know, watching Dragon Ball Z, which is popular again all of a sudden. I can't believe how many Dragon Ball Z shirts I see at the high school I teach at. Dragon Ball Z shirts, Dragon Ball Z hoodies, Dragon Ball Z backpacks. It's crazy. I want to look at them and, and say something like, you know, I like Dragon Ball Z before it was cool. But in reality, a better description of that is, I was watching and I liked Dragon Ball Z before you were born, which in this case is 100% accurate. I liked that show before these people, these students walking around with the, the, the shirts on and, and stuff were even born. And it's crazy to think about that, but things that we used to love as kids are coming back and coming back strong, a lot more accessible with the internet and stuff. So Nathaniel, one of our oldest and, and best fans uh, has been sending us predictions, his NFL predictions. He said he was doing pretty good during the preseason. I said, Nathaniel, preseason doesn't count. Even the quarterbacks and coaches will tell you that. Preseason doesn't count. And during the regular season, he started sending us his uh, his picks. Well, week one, he went 10-5-1. I don't know how you like get a tie on a prediction. Either you were right or not, but whatever. And week two, slowed down a little bit, went 8-8. Eight and eight. But then he went on an epic 12 and 4 run in week 3 which is super amazing. There were some cupcake games in there. I mean anytime you uh you play the Dolphins, you're probably going to get a win, right? Oh okay, and on on that note, speaking of the Dolphins. When a team beats the Dolphins, they should not be awarded a win. They should be given a tie. And if they lose to the Dolphins this year, they should be given two losses. I think that makes sense and I think that's fair. Right? I mean, I know I'm punishing a team for playing a bad team, but I feel bad for the teams that don't get to play the Dolphins this year, right? Because they don't get that easy win on their schedule. It's just other teams benefiting from the Dolphins' tank job. Not to be confused with the tank top. But it's a tank job by the Dolphins that is an epic tank job that some people are comparing to the Browns tanking. But this is just a whole nother level of tanking, man. But surprisingly... They kind of held their own against Dallas in the first half, which makes me really nervous about who Dallas is as a team. They haven't played anybody yet. 
and the Cowboys struggled in the first half against a really historically bad team that isn't trying to field a contender. Not like a Super Bowl contender, but a contender for individual games. And the Cowboys struggled in the first half against that team. I mean, they the Dolphins traded away their best young defensive player in Minka Fitzpatrick. And the Dolphins still couldn't put up points in the first half against them. But whatever. There are more interesting, uh, more interesting things to talk about in the NFL than the Dolphins and how they stink. We all know that. They're trying to stink. That's not that surprising. Uh, there are some pleasant surprises on the NFL teams that are 3-0 and and that are 0-3. Okay, I don't know if the 0-3 ones are pleasant surprises, but they're surprises nonetheless. Hey, the teams that are 3-0 and are the New England Patriots. No surprise. Bill Belichick stared down a reporter this week, and it, it kind of made me sad. He just looked so angry and, and mad at her and stuff. Like, come on, dude, you have all the power in the situation, right? You have deigned to grace this reporter with your presence, and you're going to stare her down like that for doing the job that any self-respecting reporter would do? Now, some have speculated that some, some that have worked with Bill Belichick in the past have said they've seen that kind of look from him before, and he might stare you down if you have lied to him or tricked him in some way. Yeah, because it makes sense that Bill Belichick would be really offended if you tricked him or if you cheated him in some way. That makes sense. Yeah, wouldn't that stink to get cheated, Bill Belichick? I mean, I would hate that. I would hate to feel cheated. Like, man, if you did something to me or my team that was dishonest or unfair, I would look at you the exact same way you looked at this reporter for doing her job by asking you questions. Whatever. The Chiefs are 3-0. Super fun to watch. Anthony mentioned to me that he was uh, something about the most exciting human being alive or something like that. Maybe. You know, Carrot Top is still doing comedy, so I, I, you know, put him in that conversation though. But Patrick Mahomes is amazing. He's making throws look easy that not, not very, very many quarterbacks can make. Good game against the Ravens this week, though. Lamar Jackson held his own. Had, had so many good plays. Uh, the, uh, another team three and zero, the Packers, which is fun to see Aaron Rodgers playing. Uh, in an offense that's conducive for him. I'm going to keep harping on that. I told you before, I told you last year, McCarthy was holding him back. McCarthy is gone. Lefleur comes in. And guess what? Packers go 3-0. and Aaron Rodgers has bursts of absolute brilliance on drives where he'll go four plays in a row of 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, touchdown. And it's an amazing thing to watch. Packers are just going to get better in this new system under this new coach. The Cowboys are 3-0, and but who have they played? They've played the Washington Redskins. More on them later. The Dolphins, we've already talked about them. And some other team, who cares? They're 3-0. And now, well, let's get, let's get to the surprises in a second. The St. Louis Rams are also 3-0. They maybe should have lost a game uh, against the Vikings this year. Was it the Vikings? I think the Vikings this year. But they're 3-0 as well. Not a huge surprise. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They retained a lot of their offense and their defense. Aaron Donald is a menace. That guy plugging up the middle like that. He is the most dominant middle-of-the-line defensive lineman I have seen in the NFL, maybe since Warren Sapp, but Aaron Donald might be doing it better. He is causing all sorts of trouble for the run game and the passing game from a defensive tackle position, which is just super valuable. It's one of it's, It's got to be one of the most difficult things to plan for when you say, okay, we have to double Aaron Donald on certain plays or they will not work. These plays simply can't work if Aaron Donald is being blocked one-on-one. So that frees up one or two other guys in uh, on the line or one of the linebackers. 
Aaron Donald is one of the most valuable defensive players in the league. He's getting paid like it, and he needs to be talked like it, and I think he is. But you just don't get a lot of attention from that position unless you're sacking the quarterback. And while he does a lot of that, he's doing things throughout the game that affect the run game and the passing game that don't show up on the highlights or the stat sheet. One of those things is absorbing two or three blockers for each play. So Rams going 3-0, not surprising. McVay doing that offensive thing. Aaron Donald holding it down on the defense. They're going to be good this year again, of course. Now the surprises. The Buffalo Bills, 3-0. First of all, the Buffalo Bills fans are crazy. They jump through tables. It's just nuts. But, well, we'll see what happens later on down the season. Another surprise, the San Francisco 49ers. Pleasant surprise for me, being a 49ers fan. But they look great. George Kittles, their tight end, is a premier elite tight end. Garoppolo is making the plays he needs to make. Honestly, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo was back in the saddle. I did not think we would see Jimmy Garoppolo again. But this year, with uh, with Kyle Shanahan's offense opening things up for them, with the running game starting to open up, and with their defense playing well, playmakers like Kittles at tight end, the 49ers are a legit 3-0. They've won, against, uh, they've won a couple of home games already, and they beat the Steelers who are a good team. Well, maybe. More on them in a second. These are the teams that are 0-3, and there are the usual suspects, but there are a couple of surprises on here too. Uh, The Bengals, or the Bungles, as Chris Berman would say. The Dolphins, been there, done that with them. The Jets, of course. You know, I I mean, not surprising, the Jets. Uh, Washington is is 0-3, another one of those teams that the Cowboys beat. I mean, the two of the Cowboys wins are against two of the teams on this 0-3 list. So how good how good are the Cowboys? Probably not that good. We'll see, though. They haven't played anybody. And then the two surprising teams that are 0-3 in the NFL are the Denver Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I'm stealing this, but some people are calling the Denver Broncos uh, head coach uh, Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio 0-3, which is hilarious. Uh, but I want to talk about the quarterback, Joe Flacco and three. I didn't like Joe Flacco when he was on the Ravens. When Lamar Jackson came in and they drafted him, I thought they should switch to Lamar Jackson earlier. Maybe having that time to sit behind Joe Flacco and work maybe on some mechanics and stuff and maybe work through NFL reads and progressions and speed. Maybe that's helped him turn into the quarterback that he's in now because he looks like a really solid NFL quarterback through three weeks of the season. But Joe Flacco has come into Denver and been underwhelming. It has not been a great year for Joe Flacco, and it doesn't surprise me. I've been saying it for years that Joe Flacco is not the quarterback that people think he is. He was buoyed and held up by an amazing defense, got lucky on a play in Denver where a a defensive back should have made a play on a duck that he threw up, and they ended up winning in the Super Bowl largely because of that defense and Flacco getting lucky. But once you win that, once you win that Super Bowl in the NFL as a quarterback, you are golden. And Joe Flacco is a great example of that. He'll continue to get paid, and John Elway will continue to make terrible quarterback decisions, including forgetting the name of his quarterback, which is funny. The Steelers are 0-3, so they lost their quarterback. They lost Ben Roethlisberger, who's declining. You know, he's at that age where he's going to decline, unless you're Tom Brady or uh, Drew Brees unless you're hurt like Drew Brees, you're going to start declining eventually as a quarterback. And it looks like Ben Roethlisberger has hit that point. He suffered a non-contact injury to his elbow, 
which looks super surprising. I mean, he threw it. He was like holding it funny and stuff. And now he's out for a while. I forgot exactly how long, maybe this season, uh, which is unfortunate for the Steelers. But they're hoping that they can uh, still put a decent season together. And you can tell because they picked up the Dolphins, Minka Fitzpatrick, in a trade giving up draft picks. So if they didn't think that they were had a chance to at least put up a good season and maybe make the playoffs this year without their quarterback, they must really trust Mason Rudolph, who came in to replace Ben Roethlisberger. If they didn't trust him, they wouldn't have gone out and given up draft picks in order to get Minka Fitzpatrick. Maybe they're still playing for next year, and picking up Fitzpatrick right now was a good idea for them, but they gave up quite a bit to get him. And it, that move really doesn't make sense unless they believe, unless the Steelers believe, they can at least make the playoffs this year and be good in the playoffs, but we'll see how that goes. Okay, so those are the 3-0 and 0-3 surprises in the NFL. Uh, and we'll have more on those crazy numbers in our uh, segment later in the show. All right, so again, shout out to Nathaniel for going 12-4 and in week three. That is super impressive. So talked a little bit about Joe Flacco a second ago. I want to talk about Eli Manning, another quarterback who I've said, uh, he got the Joe Flacco treatment. He won a Super Bowl. He won two Super Bowls, largely because A, he got lucky, and B, the defense kept him alive uh, and kept him relevant, right? He was also made more relevant by having Odo Beckham Jr. running routes for him, okay? But what happens when he gets replaced? The Giants win. Okay, so the Giants played the Buccaneers, and that game was pretty exciting. But let me tell you, one of the craziest things I have ever seen, because I haven't seen it in a long time, is a Giants quarterback scrambling for positive yardage. It was crazy. So uh, Daniel Jones comes in and uh, plays pretty well for the Giants. They were playing the Buccaneers, who haven't been having a great season. Uh, but the Buccaneers looked like they were in control early in the game. Mike Evans was a fantasy monster this week. If you have Mike Evans in fantasy football, you won this week. You could have had, I don't know, the rest of the Dolphins for your fantasy team, and you still would have won because Mike Evans put on a show and so the Buccaneers were looking pretty good but Daniel Jones stayed uh looked very comfortable he stayed confident and he was able to lead the Giants back to a victory uh one of my uh, favorite plays from that game was on fourth and five uh he uh Daniel Jones scrambled it looked like the Buccaneers were in man coverage so most of them had their back to the quarterback you know I mean if Eli Manning is in there of course you turn your back to him he's not going to run if he does run you're going to have 20 minutes to track him down and tackle him before he gets those five yards what does Daniel Jones do he scampers forward for that uh for that not just the first down on fourth and five but scores on fourth and five to put the Giants ahead so then of course what happens Jameis Winston throws a bomb to Mike Evans who was a monster in this game I would love to see him with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or uh, Patrick Mahomes, or even Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, uh, a young quarterback who is talented. I would love to see him playing for a quarterback like that. But he made a big play downfield. Uh, the uh, time was running out, no timeouts. They spiked the ball. They then get the field goal on the unit on the field, and the kicker misses. That game would have been so much more exciting if it were in the hands of people who've been playing the entire game instead of on the foot of a kicker. But, you know, we're not going to change football right now. But, Anyway, Eli Manning has been holding the Giants back. People that are arguing, uh, like Paul Feinbaum on ESPN, people that are arguing that he uh, should be given the benefit of the doubt and he's a champion, uh, was mistreated by the Giants, and Cam Newton got what he deserved. I mean, come on, man. Eli Manning hasn't been a good quarterback for three, four years at the least. Right? 
So this was obviously the right move for the Giants to make. It has already paid off for them, and they are already uh, excited about their young, new quarterback, which is something they should have done at the beginning of the year. Eli Manning has been really sweet about everything, though. He's talked about being a mentor for this guy and all this stuff, which is fine, which is great. But, man, I, I really, really wish the Giants would have done this sooner to get Eli Manning out of my life and get more guys like Daniel Jones in my life. Uh, a lot of good young quarterbacks in the NFL that it's really easy to get excited about. Okay. Time for the return of one of our favorite segments on the show, Objectively Correct Sports, where we give you uh, our objective stats, and that's it. No subjective opinions or anything. All right, so this usually works a little better when I have my partner, Crime Anthony, with me. We can bounce stats back and forth off each other, uh, but here we go. The solo, objectively correct sports. We'll see how this goes. I have a feeling it's going to be incredible. So here we go. <clears throat> Bryce Harper was given $330 million contract this year by the Philadelphia Phillies, and he is 60th this season in wins above replacement. Even worse, Manny Machado, given $300 million by the San Diego Padres, is 89th in wins above replacement. Mike Trout is the only Major League Baseball player with a contract with the $300 million or more price tag that is in the top 50 in wins above replacement this year. And he is second place. Mike Trout's amazing. He's worth that money. So who is leading in war, you ask? Cody Bellinger. What's his salary, you ask? $605,000. Cody Bellinger might be the best value in sports right now, putting up an MVP season at only $605,000 a year. That sounded a little subjective. My bad. Switching back to objectively correct mode. Garrett Cole became only the 18th pitcher to strike out 300 or more players in a single season. Bryce Harper is Vegas strong. Also, Philadelphia Phillies spent $400 million on free agents before the season started, becoming only the third team in the Major League, ba Major League Baseball history to do so. And today, they were eliminated from the playoffs by Harper's old team, the Washington Nationals. This is just the second time in NFL history that eight teams went unbeaten through three games. And it's the uh, last time that happened was in 1998. Stephen Tarpley's fifth inning strikeout of Willie Adams was the 41,208th strikeout of the Major League Baseball season, breaking the previous Major League Baseball record of 41,207 set last season. In fact, every season since 2008 has seen a new single-season record for strikeouts set league-wide. New Giants quarterback Daniel Jones, I should say New Giants starting quarterback replacing Eli Manning, Daniel Jones is 1-0 when trailing by 18 or more points. Eli Manning is 0-44 when trailing by 18 or more points in his career. Only one man in Major League Baseball history has reached 350 uh, in both homers and steals. That man is, of course... Barry Bonds, who finished his career with 762 and, uh, home runs and 514 stolen bases. And finally, the top exports of Guatemala are 1. 
bananas at $1.32 billion, coffee at $723 million, and knit sweaters at $621 million. Got to get you those knit sweaters. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So not a whole lot more I want to cover in sports. Um, shout out to my sister, Heather, and my brother-in-law, Cody, who are in Guatemala. They inspired that Guatemala objectively correct stat. So shout out to them. Looks like they're having a great time. Uh, I had an idea for fixing education, and I'm going to drop this in here before uh, before we go. So maybe get some feedback. If you like this idea, those of you that have kids or those of you that have been to school, those of you that uh, work in schools or whatever, let me know how you feel about this idea. So you start as a freshman and a sophomore, and you go through normal school, and then after your sophomore year, you make a decision. Am I pursuing a college education or not? Am I going to go more towards the career, uh, college, uh, no, no, job or tech field or something like that? And you make that decision, and then everything you do from there, your junior and senior year, is dedicated to either making it to the university and pursuing higher education or being career or job ready right when you graduate high school. Now, what that would involve on the on the on the job and career readiness side was you'd be an apprentice to someone, right? Let's say you loved working in carpentry, you wanted to pursue that. Well, you work with a carpenter, and if the carpenter wants to hire you, they can. But you spend a semester or two of shadowing and apprenticing for a carpenter, or for a welder, or for for a farmer, or a landscaper, whatever it is you want to do for your career, whatever you're interested in, an auto mechanic. And you follow them. You still take classes at school, but they're more to get you ready for uh, a career when you get out of high school. And then those that go into the university side, instead of uh, being in a classroom with a bunch of people, you know, 30 or 40 students at a time, you do big lecture halls. And that way, instead of hiring uh, two or three teachers to teach, say, um, AP statistics, you have one AP statistics lecturer that delivers all the information to all these students at one time in an auditorium, like in a college setting, where they deliver all that information to them. And then they have a chance to go and get, uh, meet with a tutor during their study or homework times there on campus, where they can meet with a certified full-time teacher whose job it is to tutor students one-on-one -on -one in the subject that they uh, got their degree and are licensed to teach in. That way you have to you hire fewer teachers, which means you can pay them more which also means you're saving school districts money, and it also means that students have more time to do homework and study instead of being in classes because you go to your lecture hall two or three times a week, and then you spend the rest of the time doing the work, and then you have a dedicated tutor uh, full-time there to help you with your work. Uh, when it comes to taking attendance and things like that, technology has gotten really good. Most of the students, uh, most of the campuses have ID badges for students now, really easy. You have a little scanner there. You beep, you scan in when you get there, beep, scan in when you leave. If you go to the bathroom, scan out, scan back in. It keeps track of that, and you can track the student's attendance that way. You don't have to waste time taking attendance every time students are coming in. Let's use the technology that's already available to us, right? Uh, but anyway, that was my idea. I, I saw it solving quite a bit of problems and uh, making a, a school a little more enjoyable, especially for those students who are struggling. They get the help they need individually, but the students that get it, the students that are really strong in math, for example, can go to their AP statistics lecture, listen in, take notes, go do the homework during their study time, and then move on to the other subjects and stuff that they might be struggling with and get the extra help with that. But if you're struggling, what do you do? You go and get the help you need, right? So I think that would be a, a nice solution for uh, for, for public education here in America. 
don't have a lot to say other than that when it comes to that. Just a little idea that came in my mind hole. Thought I would share it with everybody. Uh, don't have a lot else to say. It's really hard to end a podcast by yourself. So let me just say I appreciate all of you for listening to my uh, ramblings over the last two episodes. I'm excited for Anthony and his family. They're moving into their new house this week. Um, I asked if they needed help moving. And thankfully, he said, no, they're going to get movers, which was just a huge relief for me, right? I mean, because moving is the worst. It is the worst thing that we as human beings do. We need to figure something else out, people. Like, we need to find a better way of doing this whole, like, moving from one place to another thing. Because we have all our crap. Our furniture barely fits the door. But apparently, it needs to be this big for us to be comfortable with it, right? I mean, should we make couches that fold up or something, right? I'm reminded of that episode of Friends. Uh, I, I don't like the show Friends all that much. My wife really enjoys it, but I don't love it. But I'll to- I, I tolerate some episodes, especially because Chandler, I think, is really funny. Uh, but there is one part of, of the show that I really like where they're trying to get a couch up their tiny little uh, apartment stairs in New York City. And uh, Ross ends up yelling, pivot, pivot. And they're trying to pivot the, the couch around, you know. But yeah, we, we need to figure something out with our furniture and moving and stuff like that. Moving is terrible. So I'm excited for the Montagues. Their house looks amazing. Uh, I'm really excited to go and crash there and like eat all your food and play your video games and watch movies in a cool media room and stuff like that. It's going to be fantastic. So I'm really excited for the Montagues. And uh, hopefully uh, our first episode back uh, as a team with me and Anthony together, you'll get our normal shenanigans Hopefully you get a crazy story from Anthony, and hopefully we can record from the Montague's new house. We should name it a Chateau Montague, or something like that. I mean, I don't know why I made Montague French. It's it's a very English name, right? It's like Montague's in the Capulets from Shakespeare. It's a very English thing. Anyway, hopefully next time it's me, it's Anthony at the Chateau de Montague.